So this is our text, and I want everybody to read this together. Isaiah 7, 14. We're going to read it together as, as a body, okay? You got it up there? Okay, ready? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Let's pray. Father, we come here today to worship you, to glorify you, to praise your holy name. You've given us life. You've given us salvation. And Lord, I ask today that you would feed your sheep, that your word, word would go forth and be planted on fertile ground so that, it would not, so that it would bear fruit that lasts. Father, we need you. Pour into us. I pray for anyone going through the storm today. Father, give them victory. Give us all victory. And I pray if there's anyone here who does not know you, that before they leave here today, they will see their need for you and see their salvation in the person of your son. Anoint me to faithfully preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So 2,700 years ago, a prophecy was given, and this prophecy would come to pass forever, changing the world, even the way the world would define time. Y'all say this with me. Prophecy. Fulfillment, revelation, okay? Because this is God working from the very beginning to the very end. Even before this prophecy was given, God had already put into place every essential element needed to fulfill his will. Seeing God moving, okay? God working. How many of us know God is always doing something? He's always doing something, right? Praise God for that. Our entire system to date time, even today, is based on this historical event. When you open our history books, you see A.D. and B.C. B.C. means before Christ, before he was born. And A.D. is a Latin word meaning Anno Domini, which means the day of the Lord, which refers to the times of the birth of Christ and after his death. The life and death of Christ has shaken the world that we live in. Prophecy, fulfillment, and revelation. So going back to the text, the first part we are going to cover is, number one, the prophecy. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself, meaning God himself, the Hebrew word Adonai, the title spoken in place of Yahweh. So in other words, the holy and sacred name of God, the great I am, will give you a sign. Question, though, how many times has God given us a sign to show us who he is? It doesn't have to be something big that's going to open up the sky, right? But would we even listen? How many times has God given a sign to, to love my wife, to love my husband, to pray for my wife, to pray for my husband, to love my neighbor, to love my parents? To talk to our children, to love our children, to love the church. How many times have you given a sign to not speak or to say I'm sorry? Continuing on, he says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And that doesn't even make sense to us today, right? A virgin is going to have a baby? Like, wrap your head around that one, Right? But the prophet is prophesying what God has given him to say. And I think it's important we understand 
that before we even get into this, God had already set into place his plan from the very beginning. From Genesis to Isaiah and to the other prophets, which would eventually lead us to the Gospels. God works through time to accomplish his will. He's working right now. He's working in your lives. God is always doing something. <coughs> Prophecy, fulfillment, and revelation. And I want to ask a question to you today, church. Do we believe that God is able to do what he said he will do? Do you believe today that God is able to do what he said he will do? Or will we be like King Ahaz? Told him to ask for a sign and he didn't want to. Because he was doubting. Because of the fall of man as humans, we have a fallen nature. Ephesians 2.3 says, we are by nature children of wrath. Moments after Adam and Adam and Eve sinned against God, God makes a decree. So let's go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This is all going into the text of our living Savior. Genesis 3:15. God says, I will put enmity. In other words, I will put a hatred, a open hostility between you and the woman. From the very beginning, God establishes a perimeter by which he is going to redeem mankind. He says, I will put an enmity. I will appoint an enmity between your offspring and her, and her offspring, your seed and her seed. God shows us through his word as he brings damnation to the serpent as well. Look what he says. He says, he shall bruise your head. He will crush your head. The Messiah is going to crush you. And you shall bruise his heel. In other words, you're going to bruise him, but you're not going to destroy him. We know Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Do you believe that today? Look at the supreme power and authority of God today and throughout the history of the world. We serve a God who is able Amen? Amen. From the very beginning, God has always been and always will be in control. And as a church, we have to get this. Because we, when we see God in his rightful position, it glorifies him. And we become more victorious in our life. Amen? So question, does my relationship with God show me this? The relationship you have with God today, does it show you that he is in control? Because he is. Because if it doesn't, I need to get into my word. In other words, if, if, if I don't have that type of relationship with God, if I can't see that God is in full control, I need to be in my word. I need to be in my prayer closet so that God can show me how big and magnificent he is. I'm here to tell you today, church, God is not losing. He does not lose. So whatever lie the enemy has told us, Whatever seed of discomfort he has told us, God is not losing. Amen. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know as believers it can be hard because what we're going through, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This, my brothers and sisters, should cause us to rejoice, to shout, right? To praise him, to worship him. In Psalms 19, 
Verse 1 and 2, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky displays his handiwork. Day after day it speaks out. Night after night it reveals his greatness. I tell you, even if we were silent, the stones would cry out. God is always doing something. Prophecy, fulfillment, revelation. Continue on, verse 14, the virgin of uh, Isaiah, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. He shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Not only is God in control, but God is with us. His holiness, his righteousness, his love, his mercy is with us today, church. Do you believe that? His, His law is written in our hearts. Our very consciousness distinguishes what's right and what's wrong, right? He's working here right now. And every single one of you, myself as well, revealing himself and his purpose. The Savior had to be born. He had to be born. But not from a corrupted seed, but from that which is holy. The promise of heaven is in him. The promise of eternity is in him. The the light of the world is in him. The image of the invisible God is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The child had to be born to redeem mankind. The standard of God's righteousness cannot be met by us. No matter how hard we try, it cannot be met by us. The only only the perfect son of God could fill and satisfy the standard of God's law. For this very reason, he was born. He was born to redeem us. He was born to give you victory over death, hell, and the grave. God's law has shown us our condition, our sin, and brought death to sinners. We can never forget this. The law is made weak by our sinfulness because we cannot fulfill it, neither can it save us. But God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son to earth with the same human life that everyone else used for sin. God sent him to be an offering to pay for sin. God used a human life to destroy sin. We need God. We are in dire need of salvation. We need the birth of Christ. We can never forget what, what this season is about. More than it is about the gifts, more than it is about spending time with your family. It's about the living Savior who came to die to be a perfect sacrifice, who was born of a virgin. That we could be adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God, okay? From the very beginning to the very end, from the fall of man to the glory of heaven, God has been faithful to complete his will, his perfect plan. God is always doing something, church. Prophecy, fulfillment, and revelation. So now we talked about the first one, the prophecy. Now let's look at that prophecy being fulfilled. So the second part of this is called the fulfillment. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 23. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 23. Y'all with me today, church? I was talking to pastor and it's crazy because when we preach in the prisons, it's 
I'm, I'm, if you don't know this, I'm a loud preacher. I am a really loud preacher, a street preaching. Like, and it's crazy because when I stand in front of the, the church, it's totally like I don't. God has shown me something, but you know, um, I just thought I'd be transparent on that. But Matthew chapter one, verse eighteen to twenty-three, it says, "Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way." And I want to stop right there because God once again is explaining to us so we can know. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, meaning legally pledged to be married to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. And remember, Joseph came from a lineage of 42 generations. You can see that from Matthew chapter 1, all the way from Abraham, okay? Continuing, verse 20, the angel says, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God gave his son a name, and God has given you a name as well. Your name as a child of God, though. Your name as a citizen of heaven. God has given you an identity, believer. So here's my question to us. Who defines you? God or something else? Because just like he gave his son a name, he has given you a name. He's called you daughter. He's called you son. If, if something else has your attention, we need to repent from it today. To call out to God, to cry out to him, that we may walk out here today transformed. Amen? Matthew 1.22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Brother, sister, Mary was supposed to be a virgin, right? Joseph have, hadn't even touched her in that way yet. I don't think anyone can understand what was happening at that moment. Even today, it's still, it's still mind-boggling, right? He was about to divorce her quietly because he was a righteous man. But look, once again, we see God doing something. It says that angel Gabriel comes to him. That's how God, God in, inter, intervenes. The angel Gabriel was a messenger of God and one of the angels of higher rank. He makes God's message understandable to people and helps them accept it with a pure heart. And we can see it here as he tells Joseph, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Take Mary as your wife. She is pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. The living Savior. Prophecy, fulfillment, and revelation. But going back on verse 21, he says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The Holy Son of God, Jesus. Jesus. The name Jesus comes from the Hebrew name Yeshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. Amen. Jehovah is salvation. So not only is God from the beginning to the end, not only is God with us, God is doing something so amazing here. 
The name was given to Christ at his birth. Not only is God with us, but he is our salvation. He is our salvation. He will save, he will deliver his people from their sins. Has he saved you? Have you been delivered from your sins? The fact of the matter is, sin earns death. This is why we needed the Savior. This is why we needed Christ. John the Baptist said it like this, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? Jesus doesn't only save us from our sins. He makes us alive through the Holy Spirit. We are empowered today if you are in Christ. Because of his righteousness, we are given the Holy Spirit to comfort us. We have been sealed. We have been marked by God until the day of redemption. This once again should should empower you. It should bring joy to you. Heaven is our home if you are in Christ. The living Savior, we see the prophecy, the fulfillment, and the revelation. Let's look at Matthew 2.11. Matthew 2.11. This is going to show us how God just, the, the word comes alive, the scriptures come together. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. The wise men come to see Jesus and go into the house. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures... They'd offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So check this out. Emmanuel, God with us. Jehovah is salvation. Yahweh is salvation. The Son of God is worshipped. They fell down and worshipped him because they recognized his authority. The Holy Son of God who would set the captives free. But they bring him three gifts. And all three of these gifts are symbolic. The first gift it says is gold. Gold represents royalty because gold is put through the fire to purify it. Jesus is royalty. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, he's sinless. He is pure. Even the mercy seat in the tabernacle was gold. And the mercy seat was connected with the rituals of the day of atonement. Jesus is our atonement. The second gift they brought was frankincense. It's a perfume, a fragrance that was placed in the table of showbread and burn by the priest every Sabbath and will be burned on the altar of incense. Frankincense has to be crushed to make it. To extract the oil from it. Jesus was crushed because of our guilt. He took the punishment we deserved. And this brought us peace. We were healed because of his pain. Amen. And the third gift that they brought was myrrh. It was used in ancient Israelite temple worship as an ingredient in the holy anointing oil for the consecrating of priests. Myrrh was commonly used to embalm bodies. This foreshadows the death of Jesus. The gold, the gold, the royalty, the frankincense, and the myrrh. This is all symbolic. In John chapter 19, verse 39 through 40, we're just talking about these gifts. It says, Nicodemus also, who was earlier, had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Church body, God is intentional in everything that he does. In everything that he says, he is intentional. Christ is king, and he came to save us from the wrath of a holy God. 
Christ had to be born. No one could do what Christ has done. He was born for the purpose of being a sacrifice for sin. So when we read Isaiah 7.14, we have to know how crucial and how important this is. It's God's perfect will and God's perfect timing, church. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 5, it says, But when the proper time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. The birth of Jesus is crucial. Christ died and was buried and rose again on the third day, ascending up to heaven to make us sons and daughters. Has this become a reality to you today? What Christ did for you to intercede on our behalf. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man could come to the Father but by him. We should never get tired of hearing this because this is our salvation. Jesus is our king. He is worthy of all praise. Hebrews 1.3 says he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. We have been purified, church. You have been purified because a child was born. A child was born of a virgin to come to redeem you. We're talking about the living Savior. Prophecy, fulfillment, and revelation. And this brings us to point number three. Revelation. Jesus is the substance of all prophecy. From Genesis to Revelation. Jesus is the substance of all prophecy. He was prophesied. He fulfilled the prophecy. The perfect sacrifice who abolished death. We got to get that. He abolished death. And rose in victory. And he's coming again for his church. Are we ready? Do we have oil in our lamps today? Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 through 8. I think he got it up there. We're talking about the revelation now. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 through 8. The word of God says, behold, he is coming with the clouds. He is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, O God, who is and who was and is his to come. So in closing, in case you didn't know, Jesus is Lord. Adonai, Yahweh is salvation, the Son of God, the Son of Man, Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus is the person. Yeah, he is a person too. He's the God-man. And he's the second person of the Godhead. Don't let anybody tell you different. In John 17, verse 5, Jesus prayed to the Father and said, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. He has always existed. He has always existed. Be careful for the people who tell you he did not exist before he was born because Christ always existed and he was born to suffer. 
the gold, frankincense, and myrrh were symbolic to this. In Hebrews chapter 10, 2 verse 10, it says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, he has brought us to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. The virgin birth makes your salvation possible today. Hebrews 10.5 says, When Christ came into this world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Jesus said, I have come to do your will, O God. God prepared the body of Christ. God provided the sacrifice. Jesus came to die for your sins. Don't leave here today without knowing you belong to God. Don't leave here today because tomorrow is not guaranteed. If you have any confess, any unconfessed sin today, this goes for myself too. We need to leave it at the altar today. Don't leave the same way you came in. And if God is telling you to turn from something today, turn from it today. Please turn from it today. The word of God has gone forth. May we receive the testimony of God by faith. God will be faithful to accomplish what he starts in you. He has been faithful what he has started in you, okay? The living Savior, the prophecy, the fulfillment, and the revelation. She will bear his son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I don't know where each one of you stands today or your relationship with God. But it is crucial that we all understand without Jesus, there's no hope. Without Jesus, there's no salvation. God loved us enough to give us his son. To bring him into this world, this fallen world, which he didn't have to. But he came here so that we could have eternal life. He came here so that, that your life, your marriage, your kids, your family, that in that, you could be victorious. I'm not, I'm not talking about just money and finances, but I'm talking about spiritually. Because salvation isn't about money. Salvation is about the Savior. It's about the soul. It's about heaven. It's about eternity. Remember, we're only passing through here. God has given us opportunity. He's given us His Son so that we can live a life for His glory. Amen. Thank you. Amen.